minister from, but I can't minister from all of them. So I'm, I know what I have planned, and I'm waiting. God, is this the time, or do I do something different? Uh, I can I try to be obedient to the Lord. You know, in the state that we're in, it, it'd be real easy to just go right into preach and uh, and I think preaching as well and it's needed and it's we need anointed preaching we need we need those things and and I, I could do that this morning but I, I'm going to stay true to what I believe is my assignment this morning and uh, I I may teach a little more this morning than preach but I have I have waited and I've waited to uh, uh, to deliver what I'm going to do my best to deliver today, and it's it's not a shouting message. And some of you will 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 maybe even be a little bored, uh, but that's okay uh, because I think as as men of God and women of God, we have to understand. A few weeks ago. I shared with you a message talking about stewardship. Uh, we're not owners, but we're stewards. And when we come to that understanding that God is the owner of all things and we are stewards of the things that he's given to us, it changes the whole dynamics of how we live our lives. And I think it's important that we understand that. And I waited and, and I've been praying and seeking the Lord on And those of you that are in this house, you know, the topic that I'm going to deal with today is a topic that never really gets spoken of from this platform. But I want you, before I go any further, I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to just tell them this in all seriousness, that he's not after your money. Okay, we're going to clear that up right now before we even get started, okay? I'm not after your money, okay? But I'm going to give you some principles this morning that is going to change your life. And I'm going to deal with the topic today, and I'm going to deal with living in the fullness of God. And uh, how many knows it's better to be full than empty? Amen? Listen, I went shopping yesterday not with just with one lady, but three ladies. By the time I got to the dinner table... I was empty. I was ready to be, because we'll be there in a little bit. No, it was a little bit all right. And so, but it's all right. It's better to be full than empty. And the same thing spiritually speaking today is it's better for us to be in the will of God and be filled with the things of God uh, and have a life that is honoring God. And today, how many knows we need that? Because right now, There has been something entrusted with us, and it is this. You can call it a move of God. You can call it a revival. You can call it an awakening. I think we're yet to see exactly how large this is going to be, but I believe very sincerely that this is getting ready to be an ushering in of a move of God that's on a scale like we have never seen in our lifetime. But how many knows that where much is given, much is required? So therefore, if something has been given to us, then it means this. We're going to have to be stewards of it. And there can only be a release based on how well we steward. 
And when we start getting into this today, I want you to understand it's not just one area, but it's how we steward our lives. So if you have your Bibles with you, 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, beginning in verse number 6 through verse number 8, they'll put it on the screen for your convenience if you don't have your Bibles with you this morning. Uh, but if you do, I, I, I pray you do. I, I, I want to just read to lay a foundation this morning, and we're just going to dive into this thing, okay? And Second uh, Corinthians chapter number 9, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. In verse number 6, he says the following, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. That'd be a good place to smile right there. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Now that's a place to shout right there. That ye always having all sufficiency in some things. In all things may abound to every good work. Let's read it again. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he has purpose in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or not of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your people today. And Lord, I pray that over the next few moments, you would anoint this vessel to speak your word with the anointing that is needed today for our hearts to not just hear, but to receive what you're speaking to us in this season, we pray, and we'll never cease to give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Thank you for honoring the word of the Lord this morning. You may be seated. If something is full, we know this, it is completely filled. It is containing all that can be held, or said this way, it is filled to the utmost capacity. I wonder this morning how many of us can truly say that we are filled to the utmost capacity when it comes to the things of God in our life. I will be the first to lift my hand this morning in your presence and tell you this, I have room for more. You can judge me by that if you'd like. I don't care. But I have room for more. I have room for more anointing. I have room for more compassion. I have room for more generosity. I have more room for more of what God has for me. Amen? If I were to ask the question today, who wants their life to be complete or filled with all that God has for you, I'm sure every one of us would lift our hands. If not, we'll stop and pray for you that wouldn't raise your hand right now. We'll get that fixed before we go any further. But I believe our hands would be lifted all over this house without hesitation. As believers, however, in Christ this morning, we must come to the understanding 
that how we decide to live our lives plays a major role in just how full our lives are. Now, one of the areas that has caused men and women of faith trouble throughout the years in the faith community is the area we're going to talk about for a few moments today, and that is this, the area of finances. So today we're going to dive into Scripture. Don't be so excited this morning. Lord, help me. We find that when you look at throughout history, it really has been a struggle. But I want to say this at the very beginning of my time with you today. God desires for his children to be filled with generosity. If you're not generous, we have a, we have a place up here for you. Please hear me. Our level of blessing is not solely determined by how wonderful God is. How many knows he's wonderful? But our behavior is what determines how much can be released from the abundant supply of heaven into our care. He will not give us something that we cannot handle. He will not give us things that would give us more power and more authority if it is going to destroy our lives. Notice with me. Throughout the scriptures, we understand that God is the owner and we are stewards. We come to that conclusion through scriptures and from a biblical approach some weeks ago. But when you start getting into the New Testament scripture, especially when you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, one in every four verses in those three gospels deals with money. Every other passage, if you look at the, all the scripture in the New Testament, every six, one out of every six verses in the New Testament of your Bible will make a reference to finances in some way, shape, or form. Now, I know that we all like the stories or the parables that Jesus shares, but nearly half of the parables that Jesus shares all deal with finances or money in some way, shape, or form. Why am I saying this is because it's an important part of our life. Do you understand why one of the key principles that Judas betrayed Jesus was because of the love of money? Do you understand what happened to the early church? The very first thing, that the first sin that was committed in the early church, you find in Acts chapter 8, it was when somebody held back a price of a property that they sold and said, I'm giving it all to the Lord. It was money. So I'm going to tell you something. Money's not bad. Money's good. But the love of money is what will get you in trouble. Now notice with me. Simeon, the sin of Simeon was simply this, is he tried to buy the gifts of God. He didn't understand. And therefore, there's much that can be said. Notice with me, if you was to go back to Greek numerology, and you will find there is two words in your Bible that comes up with the number 666. And we understand that that number deals with the Antichrist, if you study Scripture. But you know what two words come to that numerical value in the Greek? Is simply wealth, and you're really going to fall out of your chair on this one, and tradition. So, so we have to be careful. Now, when I say these things, it is to lay a foundation simply for where we are supposed to be. Our, we find that we are given very clear instructions through Scripture on how and what we're supposed to do. The question is, will we walk in obedience concerning them? 
Luke chapter number 6, verse number 38 says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. How many wants things to come your way? Nothing comes your way if you operate and live with a closed fist. Give, and it shall be given unto you. But how is it given to you? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and barely enough. And running over. Shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that you give, it shall also be measured again to you. Notice with me. If you give sparingly, you what? You reap sparingly. But when you give bountifully, it is return given to you bountifully. What does this really mean? God has a principle. Is in the level that you give to me is the level that I'm going to give to you. You give me a little, I'll give you a little. You give me everything, I'll give you everything. Let me just clear this up real quick. How many knows his everything is a whole lot more than our everything? My everything might not excite you too much. But his everything, can I tell you? When I understand that I'm an heir and a joint heir with him, how in the world can I walk around and not be generous? Now, notice the biblical meaning of giving, we have to understand at the very beginning, is we do not give because God needs anything. He doesn't need what you and I have. But we have to understand that giving is an expression of obedience, yes, but it's more than that. But it is more than what we really ever really talk about, but it is gratitude, it's trust, it's joy, or said another way, our giving is an act of worship. Now, you and I today know that we are to do what? We are to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Now, how can you really worship something unless you really have put trust in it or if you have gratitude towards it? Listen, finances is the very entry-level thing for a man of God or woman of God to understand. But it's one of the things that we struggle with the most. We should never give reluctantly or out of a place of under convulsion, but we should always give cheerfully. We should give because God has been so good to us. Has he been good to anybody in this room? Giving, notice this, is a means in which God blesses others. It's a tool. It's an avenue. You say, how do you come to that conclusion? If you read Genesis chapter number 12, verses 1 and 2, notice the Lord comes to Abram, who we also know as Abraham. He comes to Abram and he tells him, he says, I want you to get out of your country. I want you to go from your kindred. I want you to go from your father's house. And I want you to go to a land that I'll show you. And notice what he says. I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee. And I will make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. Abram... The whole purpose that God was going to bless him was so that he could be a man that would begin to bless many nations. Do you know why you have what you have today? It's not for you to say, oh, look what I've got. I celebrate what you have. But what you have is not for you. 
but it is for you to be a blessing. So may I ask the question today, how many people have been blessed by what you got? The reason you and I have what we have is so that we can touch a world. Now, let me say this. Proverbs 13 and 22, I'm going to jump out a line of the scripture I gave you, but it says this, Solomon writes, a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Now, I'll come and elaborate on that a little bit more here in a moment, but we must all develop a heart of giving today. It has been said that there are three types of givers, grudge givers, duty givers, and thanksgivers. Now, if you are giving grudgingly, I'll pray for you. Or if you're giving from a sense of duty, I'll pray for you that you have a heart change. But if you're giving in that manner to anything concerning the work of the Lord or to giving to others, it is better for you just to keep what you've got and not give at all. Because there is no return on what you're giving. If you say, well, bless God, I'm going to give because it's what I'm supposed to do and he's going to bless me for it. Listen, you just lost 50 bucks or 100 bucks. You ain't getting nothing on that investment. So you might as well just keep your 50 or your 100 or your 1,000, whatever it is, because you ain't going to get anything back on that because God don't bless that. Well, I'm just going to do it because it's, my, it's the rightful thing to do. Listen. It's not from a sense of duty. I get on to them sometimes. People say, well, I'm going to pay my tithes. You don't pay tithes. You give tithes. It's not a bill. It's not a, no, 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 no. Listen, you and I need to understand when one is a thanksgiver, they are giving from a heart of thanksgiving. And they will receive the blessings of the Lord upon their lives. Listen. I do not give to get something in return. That's not, I'm, not, I'm not playing some type of lottery system. If I give this amount, I'm going to get this amount in return. No, no, no. Those who are thanksgivers never give to be seen, but they give from a heart and a place of gratitude. Listen, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 tells us very clearly, take heed, means this, there's a warning giving here. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest give alms, alms is another word for offerings, do not sound a trumpet before thee as thy hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men. But verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou do give alms or offerings, let not let, don't let your left hand know what your right hand does, that thy, arm, that thy alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Listen, we give discreetly and quietly. If you're going to tell everybody what you're doing, you got your reward. And I'm going to tell you something. You're cutting yourself short because an attaboy from your friends and your people in church does not compare to the reward that's from the storehouse of heaven. And it is better for him to reward you 
than for men to praise you. Can I tell you this morning, when we give, we should do it quietly and discreetly. We stop the blessing from heaven when we look around and wait for the acknowledgement of men for our giving. There's four principles concerning giving that I want to give you this morning very quickly. Number one, it should be a priority. What does that mean, preacher? It means this. God does not need to get what's left, but God should get what's first. There is a thing, and I don't have time to teach it this morning, but there is first fruits offerings. There's first fruits, which all throughout scripture. Listen, first fruits. That means this. God gets everything at the beginning. Don't say, well, if I can afford it. No, listen, you're giving from the wrong place. You have to understand it's a priority. We should give proportionately, meaning this. We should be balanced in what we give. We should have an understanding of how we give. And this is what I want you to, say. I want you to hear me today. This is not something that's been taught. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody really say this, but I'm going to say it today. Your giving, my giving, should never, tell your neighbor, say never. It should never inflict harm on your family. Now, we should give proportionately. We should give as a priority. And now it's going to sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but you have to understand this. But we should always give sacrificially. How can I give sacrificially and not hurt my family? Listen, we're intelligent individuals. We do not give in a manner where we bring harm to our family, meaning this, is you have a responsibility. Now, how many, I'm just going to be transparent. I was 20 years old before and did not have the smartest head on my shoulders when it come to money. And it took me a lot of years to dig out of my stupidity, all right? I know none of you was ever there. But listen. The first place of ministry is your family. If you choose to say, I do, it's no longer about you, but it's about your spouse. But then if you decide to have children, it ain't about either one of you. It becomes about those children. And it's your responsibility to make sure that your family, I'm really talking to the men this morning. Women should be saying amen at this point. But I know in the world that we live and we have a, a multiple working families. I, it's not just a sole provider anymore for sure. But at the same time, notice with me, our responsibility is to make sure that our families are secure. God gets no glory. He gets no honor. When a man doesn't put food on the table for his children, you hear me, we have a responsibility. So, but with that, we also are to give in a, in a manner where it is a priority, where we give proportionately, but also we give sacrificially. What does that mean? It means we should always be willing to sacrifice something in order to see others be reached with the gospel. A willingness to give sacrificially does not mean you have to take an oath of poverty. You hear me today. But it means that you have to be willing to say no to some comforts. There's a difference between needs and wants, just so you know. Okay? 
He says, I'll supply all your needs. He didn't say I'd supply every bass boat you wanted. I'm sorry. I'm preaching better than you're shouting this morning. But the fourth principle is this. We are to give always cheerfully. What does that mean? It means to be filled with cheer, be filled with joy. It also means this, to act at a moment's notice or to be prepared. So that means this, as men and women of God, you and I should always be prepared to give something. We should always be looking for an opportunity to give. Hmm. But you don't know what I want. I know this. It can come into my realm a whole lot quicker if I trust him for it than if I trust in my own self. As we look, allow me to remind us of James chapter 1, verse number 17. Tell your neighbor, say, every good gift. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Notice with me, all the blessings that we have today in our lives is the result of the love of God towards us. Every good gift, every perfect gift that we have has been a gift from God. Now, here is where it all gets rough for some folks. Brings us to two questions that most individuals struggle with and ask. How much am I to give? And where am I to give? Now, Malachi chapter 3, verse number 7 through verse number 12. Let me give them to us this morning. Are you bored yet? If you are, you only got about 15, 20 minutes left. You'll make it. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm going to make it. Malachi chapter 3, verse number 7 through verse number 12. Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you. How many knows it's good to be where the Lord is? But he said, wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? And notice he says, in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now, herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts, and all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, we see we are instructed to bring our tithes and our offerings to the storehouse. So where is the storehouse? The storehouse is the place in where you and your family are fed and ministered to. Now, I, I'm going to get myself in trouble, but I'm going to say it. Is that all right? Here's the deal. Remember, I told you I'm not after your money, and I'm not after your money. Okay? But there is biblical principles. I have no problem, 
and I believe it's completely fine, and we'll get into it. If you want to give offerings or alms to ministries, we should do that if they're doing the work of the Lord. But your first place of tithe and offering is to be at the house where you call home, where you are fed, where you're given. Listen, I don't care if it's this house or whatever house you're attached to, because I'm going to tell you something. Altogether, Mr. Lovely, that's on Christian television and internet, he is not going to stop what he's doing. And he's not going to come to the hospital and sit and hold your hand. He's not going to dedicate your babies. He's not going to bury your family. He's not going to fix you for bereavement dinners. He's not going to pay your light bill. Listen, the place that you operate and live in is the people that's going to touch you where you are. Now, if we don't bring to the storehouse, guess what? The storehouse is empty. And when the storehouse is empty, it makes people that's sitting in the chair that I'm sitting in very, diffi- very difficult to do what God's called us to do. Because we can't meet the needs of the people if there ain't no means. Okay, so that's why there is a principle to this thing. Now, the tithe, we know this, when you hear the word tithe, it is always referring to a tenth. It, 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 that's just... The tithe, when it is released back from your hand to God, it brings us to a place where we're acknowledging him for who he is. Now, I believe in principles. And this is not something that I just teach, but this is something that I live. And I will tell you this. When you live a principle life, you live a blessed life. A lot of people struggle because they don't follow the principle. Now... All kinds of questions come. Well, do I, do I, how do I give a tenth? Or how do I, listen, I'm not going to get into the weeds of that. I can talk to you about those things if you'd like. But there is a tithe that is given. Now, when you give a tithe, that's a good place to start because you're acknowledging God for who he is. But when you really just give a tithe, you haven't even given anything yet of yourself because that already belongs to God. Okay. That's why he says give tithes and offering. So here's where people get in trouble. And it's not about a dollar amount whatsoever. But people don't live based on principle. So here's what they do. They just reach in, bless God, and they just do whatever. Do whatever. I don't care what it is. But they throw an offering. And then they'll come another time and they'll throw another offering. They'll throw another offering. It's only dollars. Don't get excited. Ten. Okay, I'm running out of dollars. Got to throw something else down. So they throw they throw offerings. Okay, that's fine, wonderful. But I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to get a return on your offering if you're just given an offering, because here's what happens when you're just given an offering, and it's not about an amount. It's unprotected. There's nothing protecting it, because now you're not living a principal life. So the devourer, what does he do? What does, what does John 10 say he does? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. How does he do that? In any means necessary. What's one of the greatest struggles in, in the lives of people? Finances. So if I can mess with your finances, I can mess with the rest of your life. So if I'm just throwing out offerings, guess what? He comes, he says, listen, there is nothing protecting that. So he can come in and get your offering. 
And then you're sitting there saying, I don't know. I gave an offering. I don't, God's just not doing anything in my life. I just can't get beyond this. I'm going to tell you why. It's because there's nothing to protect it. Here's what happens. I've learned this principle over the years. Jade, come be with me for a minute. Okay? Not about the amount, but here it is. I made so much money this week or what have you. This is a tenth of it, okay? Here's my tithe. Okay. I give my tithe. I bring it to the storehouse. My tithe is in the storehouse. Guess what? Now I give my tithe. That releases the heavenlies. It sets the stage for the heavenlies. Now, you are the hand of protection. You're the favor of God. Lord, how mercy. I should have picked somebody else. Okay. I've gave my tithe, okay? The favor of God is here. He's protected. My life is protected. The hand of God is upon me. Now, your job is to make sure that I'm all right, okay? So now I'm going to say, you know what? I know better days is doing some good things. I'm going to give them an offering, okay? I, I know Sister Vonda's doing good things. I'm going to give her an offering. I, I'm, I'm going to give an offering back to my local church too because I know they've got a food program or they got ministries uh, or they got this. So, okay. But now what happens? I've gave a tithe. Now, Mr. Lucifer, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come and try to take one of my offerings. <laughs> Be gentle. You got to come on now. Just get my offering. Come on. You can't let him have the offering. You're, you're struggling. You got to move quicker than that. I should have changed the roles there. You're making my message not work. Listen. It's an impossibility. Because now what's happened is because of the tithe principle, there's a hedge of protection. Now my offering is not just planted, but it's planted, and now it's able to be protected. So now the Lord is able to rain on it. He's able to shine on it. Uh, and because of that, there begins to be a harvest in my field, uh, and increase begins to be present in my life. Uh, it has nothing to do with the amount. Uh, it has everything to do with the principle that I'm living out because uh, I gave, uh, but I gave it cheerfully. You can sit down, but don't you dare take my offering. That's lunch, maybe. I don't know. But I want us to understand that the act and the giving principles cannot be done away with, but they have to be embraced. And, and I will tell you this. I will applaud the young adults and the teenagers in this house. Because I'm going to tell you something today, and I'm going to brag on them. Some of the best tithers in this ministry is these young adults. They faithfully give every week. And they're going to be blessed because of it. What am I saying this morning is because, please hear me. Abraham and Jacob both made a covenant with God through tithing. And for all of you that want to get into the, the law and all of this stuff, that was before the law, okay? 
And I know there's a big push saying the tithe is done away with and all this stuff. Listen, Abraham and Jacob, both, you can read. For the sake of time, I'm not going to this morning. Genesis 14, 18 and 20, you'll find that Abraham come into covenant with tithes and all, uh, with, in, in, in that passage. Genesis 28 and 22, you'll find where Jacob did the same thing, and that was before the law. However, let me tell you that Moses and Israel did come into covenant as well with tithing, been part of that Mosaic covenant. And you can read of that in Leviticus chapter 27, verse number 30 through 33. But then you come into the time that we're under now, the time of grace. The grace dispensation is what some people will refer to as where we are now. Uh, but uh, tithing is present even then. Matthew 23 and 23, Luke eleven forty-two. Also, you can read Hebrews chapter 7, the first 20, 21 verses of that chapter. We'll show you very clearly, and Jesus himself validates the fact that tithing is a part and a principle that we are to live by. So, we clearly see that it has not been done away with biblically. So, how much do we give? Here's what we do, and I made a mention of this just a few moments ago. We began by giving God what is his. The tenth of what we have is his. But really, when we give that tenth, we're simply saying all of it is his. We're acknowledging that we're just stewards of it. And then we began by giving alms or offerings. This can be whatever amount that God has placed on your heart. Listen, please hear me. He is not concerned about the amount that you give. Anybody remember reading the story of the little lady that just had two little mites? And she gave more than everybody that was pushing over there big, sounding their little trumpet saying, look what we give. God does not look on the heart. I mean, God does not look on the wallet of man, but he looks on the heart of man. Please hear me. Don't be afraid to give whatever is in your capacity to give. God will bless it. So how should we give? We give to the storehouse, yes. But we also... We are to have, Proverbs 19 and 17 tells us, that he that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord. And that which he hath given will he pay him again. You never go wrong by touching the less fortunate. That's why I'm going to give a little plug right here for missions. And I'm not talking about just overseas missions. I'm talking about home missions. I'm talking about people that's working in our city, people that's working with our children. I also talk about this. When you talk about poor, listen, poor is not a number. Poor is and comes in all different shapes and times. Do you understand that a 15-year-old kid that has been used to living a lifestyle of a billionaire, if his mom and dad lose part of their business and they become millionaires, guess what? They're living in poverty. In their mind because it's a completely upside down world for them so you can't get hung up on a lot of things but what I'm saying is this when we start dealing with the poor notice with me one of the areas that is neglected most of all in our culture today is children as well as elderly men and women please hear me there is a passage in scriptures that says once a man twice a child right Wonder how many elderly children are being ignored and abandoned that we could be helping meeting their needs. Can I tell you today that there's a lot of people in nursing facilities and places that don't have really what they need to have? 
God, help us to be people that are generous once again. We should be involved in touching as many people as we can. Proverbs 3, 27 and 28, and I'm going to hurry because it's almost noon. It says, withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in your power to do so. When you have the power in your hand to meet a need, meet a need. Please hear me. I ran into someone that was very close to me this week. They had a need. It would have stretched me extremely, but it touched my heart in such a manner. I said, give me your information. And within a few hours, after I called all my siblings and twisted their arms, in love, of course, Larry. I didn't have to twist too hard. But I'm thankful that my mom and dad taught us to be generous people. And we was able to meet a need. About a $3,500 need. And now that individual can breathe today better. I'm going to tell you something. It's not about anything other than if you find that there's a need, you figure out a way to make it happen. Okay? I'll plug this in there before I continue on right after service. If I could meet with my trustees, we're going to meet another need, okay? So if I can have you for like five minutes, just meet me in my office if you would, please. What am I talking about today? Proverbs 11, 25. I like it in the standard version better. It says, whoever brings blessing (coughs) will be enriched, and one who waters will be watered. You and I today have the ability to bring blessings. Say, how do we know that? Well, most of you have read 2 Corinthians 1 and 20 where it simply says, For all the promises of God in him are yea and amen to those that believe, right? However, I want to give you a promise. Paul gives Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter number 6, 17 through 19. It says, Charge them that are rich in this world. That they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Whether you know it or not this morning, I'm talking to rich people. There ain't a person in this room that's not rich. You say, I'm not rich. You be careful what you say. If you made over $30,000 this past year, you're in the top 3% wealthiest people on this planet. You're rich. Please hear me. Charge them that are rich in this world. Guess what? That's not my words, but this is the word of the Lord. Charge them that they don't be high-minded nor trust in uncertain things, but to put their trust in the living God. If I'm going to put my trust in a living God, then i got to put my trust in his word. What does his word say? We read it together in Luke chapter 6. Give. Listen, that's only like a one-syllable word. That's not hard to understand. You can't can't get mixed up in the meaning of that. It just says give. It may not be so exciting. 
if it just stopped with the word give, but it don't stop there. Do you remember the rest of that verse? That's where you and I should get excited about because it says, give and it shall be given unto you. See, he says, hey, if you give, I'm not going to take anything from you. I'm going to bring something back to you. But what I'm going to bring back to you is this. It's going to be good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. Can I tell you, I can testify that that verse is absolutely 100% accurate. Because in the last year, I can tell you, I cannot stand here and tell it all that God has brought into my life to do the work of the Lord in many places around the world. Listen, it is, none of it's been for me, and I still get excited. Debbie says you give it all away, absolutely, because I want my cup to run over even more so. I won't get a bigger cup so it'll run over even more because here's the deal. I see that it's good measure, it's pressed down, it's shaken together, and it's running over. Why does that excite me? Is because it tells me that men and women's lives are been touched uh, with the love of God and the goodness of God and the message that Jesus still loves and saves and delivers. So how can we not be excited? But he says this. He says, put your trust in a living God that they do good and that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. I wonder this morning, is there anybody ready to distribute? Is there anybody ready to give? I'm not taking an offering. Just relax. Our reward is going to be wonderful because if you read verse 19, it says, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the first to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. Can I tell you, when we walk this thing out in principles, guess what? There's eternal life for you and I. When we put our faith and trust in the Lord and we walk after him, there is some things in heaven that we have not yet seen that is going to be worth it all. When we are faithful with what we have, he will entrust us with more. Now you say, why in the world? Why in the world are you teaching and preaching on tithes and offering this morning? Is because, can I tell you right now in this season, something wonderful has been entrusted with the people of God. It's a fresh move of the Spirit. And we have to steward it. How many knows that when a move of God happens... There is this thing called evangelism that begins to burst forth. Evangelism has to be steward. It takes, it takes money. It takes skill. It takes talent of every man and woman in the kingdom. We all bring something to the table. And right now, we have to make sure that our lives are lives of stewardship. For us to help steward what God is doing in the earth today and what's getting ready to happen. And here's what I'm going to say this morning as they come to the music this morning. If we don't get the finances right, we'll never get the others right. This is where it begins. Now, I didn't forget where we started. This I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. You can give little, and you'll learn how to live on little, because little's all you're going to have. Now, you can give bountifully, and you can begin to live a bountifully life. What does that look like? 
It's not all about money. I stand here rejoicing today, not because of a dollar amount that's in my bank account, but I can stand here today with great joy because I do have a little money, yes, but greater than that is I have children that have health. I have grandchildren that have health. I have a beautiful church family that loves my wife. Oh, I guess you love me too. Just a little bit, like you said. I have wonderful ministry partners and friends. There is so much in my life, and all of it is a result of me just being willing to try to live principles that are taught in God's Word. Today, if there's lack in your life, we have to stop and we have to ask the question, is my life a life of principle? And if it isn't, nobody can change it but you. I think we all have that light bulb moment in our life, in our walk of faith, where it says, okay, I'm going to tell you something today. When you start operating in the principles of God, you will never be disappointed. Doesn't mean that you don't go through lean times. Doesn't mean you don't go through difficult times. But it means this, no matter what season you find yourself in, If you'll faint not, in due season, you'll reap. I believe we're in a due season today where God is beginning to pour out and we got to steward this thing. You say, but preacher, no buts this morning. No excuses this morning. Let's self-examine and realize and ask ourselves the question, is God really pleased? Is he really pleased with how I'm stewarding my life? This is so important today. You see, when you steward your life, your position to operate in a place of freedom where you can be positioned to meet people at their place of need and not just monetarily. I'm going to be honest with you today. I'm ministering today with a heavy heart because there's a lot of people that's very near and dear to my heart that's going through a lot of stuff. I mean a lot of stuff. We have been somewhere every week, it seems. We have dealt with so much tragedy over the last several weeks. And yet again, we get another blow just a couple days ago. A young lady that Min Debbie took into our home. And we loved her. Some of Debbie's family. She lived with us for nearly six years. 
She had a little bump on her head, had no ideal. She's got a little 12-year-old girl, got a 20-year-old son. She had to sit down last night and tell them that mommy's stage four cancer all through her body. So Debbie will get on a plane this week. She's going to go spend a week in Florida. Wednesday. The first thing is to say this. You've got to get everything right with Jesus. 44 years old. We'll be stepping into eternity very quickly if something outside of a miracle doesn't happen. I'm going to tell you something. We're able to go, and Debbie's able to go and minister to her, and we're able to put everything on hold and make it about that family this week because of principal living. What am I saying is because there was a time in my life where I was not operating in the principles, and I wouldn't have been able you hear me? I wouldn't have been able to sit down and overpay for a plane ticket last night. I wouldn't be able to put the few hundred dollars in Debbie's pocket for her to go and be there a week and take a few other hundred dollars to pay for whatever needs they may have. I don't say that braggingly. I'm telling you that is because it's principal living. And I give God praise for that. So today what I'm telling you is this. You can sow sparingly and you can be in a place where there's little. Or you can begin to trust God with everything. And you can begin to live in a bountiful life. And there's no limits. Please hear me. I don't want what's in your wallet. But I want your heart to be in tune with what God's word says. And I want to watch you go from here. And I want to see you and your family soar. Because of the love of God and the principles of God. Because can I tell you, we need you to be in that realm where the bountifully is moving. So that we can reach a lost and dying world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this morning, this morning, can we truly, truly say our life is in order? He doesn't bless anything that's out of order. Doesn't matter how nice you are. Doesn't matter how well you make it look like it's put together. If your life's not in order, there's some things that just can't be released into your life. But when it's in order, when it's in order, these things just begin to flourish and grow. and Everything begins to happen like it needs to. And you just stand back in amazement and say, God, you're so amazing. And you're so faithful. As we stand all over the house this morning.
if I had time this morning, I would have loved to really dive into a passage that I didn't get to. But in Ecclesiastics chapter 2 and 26, there's a powerful statement that is given. And I just want to give it to you. And I think it'll minister to you. And it's something you can check your life with. It says, for God giveth to a man that is good in his sight. How many knows it's good to be considered good in the sight of the Lord? He says, for the man that is good in his sight, he gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy. How many like to have wisdom, knowledge, and joy? How many knows that's a full life? But to the sinner, he giveth travail. Together and to heap up. What he's really saying is this. There's a spirit that goes upon that man or that woman where nothing is ever enough. And they labor, they labor, they labor, they labor, they labor. That they may give to them that is good in the sight of the Lord. But if you read on a little bit further, it says this also is a vanity and a vexation of a spirit. When a man or a woman begins to walk in rebellion to God, God allows there to be a spirit come upon them where nothing is more, nothing is enough. And they have to seek for more and more and more. And God says, even though you're going to rebel against me, I'm going to use you and you don't even know it. Because the simple fact is, I'm going to take all of your labor. It's not going to reward you, but it's going to be given to those that's good in my sight, the one that has wisdom, knowledge, and joy. Because can I tell you, when you operate with wisdom, knowledge, and joy, guess what? You can rest assured God's got something in store that you don't know anything about yet. He just hasn't released it yet. I'm going to leave you with this story. I wasn't going to, but I just it popped in my spirit again. And I just, the guys seen it when we was at the restaurant. And I've seen it, my waitress was giving me a hard time, but she walked up after she found out I was a preacher. And she said, have you ever seen this? And I said, yes, I saw it, but it's wonderful don't know if the story's true or not, but you, some of you might have even saw it on social media. But there was a little old lady who was simply saying, Lord, I need food. I need food. Lord, bring me food. Anybody see that? Yeah. The neighbor, she walks out. There's food on her step. The neighbor jumps out of the bush, simply says this, ha ha. I heard you pray to your God. I heard you pray to him, but he ain't real. I'm paraphrasing. I went to the store. I bought you groceries. I put it on your step, but she said this, God did it. God did it. God did it. He said, no, you don't understand. I went to the store. I used my card. I put the groceries there. God did it. God did it. God did it. Guess part is at the end because she simply says this God did it, God did it, God did it, and he made the devil pay for it. Can I tell you? The sinner man working, 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 working. Never enough, no peace, no joy. Oh, but God says, For the one that's good in my sight, I'll give you wisdom, I'll give you knowledge, and I'll give you joy. And by the way, 
there's somebody laboring that's going to bring something to you because I'm going to bless you for who you are. What I'm saying is this. If somebody has wisdom, somebody has knowledge, somebody has joy, that means they're living a principal life. Because in the presence of the Lord, there is a lot a fullness of joy. You can't be in his presence unless you're living a life of principle. And if you're in his presence, you're going to be taught wisdom. You're going to be taught understanding. You're going to have knowledge. And because of those things, rest assured, the blessing of the Lord is on your life. So I want to pray with you this morning. I want you to just join hands with the person beside you today. Here's what I want us to do. I want us just to pray for the people that we have our hands with and say, Lord, help all of us live principal lives. Help our lives to be in alignment with your word and with your purpose. Lord, help us to be men and women that are filled with generosity. Lord, help us to be men and women that operate in the principles of your word that has been taught today. Lord, help us to evaluate our lives, help us to bring to the storehouse, not grudgingly or not out of a sense of duty, but cheerfully. And Lord, help us to invest in those that are investing in the kingdom. Lord, I pray that there would just be creativity given to every man, every woman, every boy, every girl in here when it comes to finances. Lord, first of all, I just speak and I pray and I I break a spirit of debt off your people. Lord, it's not your will for us. And Lord, I pray for spiritual freedom, but also pray for financial freedom. Lord, I pray that there would be a greater understanding, even to these young, the younger generation that has not got the years of experience that the elders have in this room. And Lord, I pray that wisdom would be granted to them in finances where they would not become enslaved or in bondage by wants and desires, but, Lord, that they would live a principal manner where they would not be pulled beyond their means, but they would live in a manner that they could use what you've given them to reach their generation. Lord, I pray that for their labor they would receive blessing. Lord, I pray that there would be no lack in any family that's represented here today. Lord, I pray that their cupboards would be overflowing. I pray today that every need would be met. I pray that the blessing and the favor of the Lord would be upon them greatly. But Lord, I understand the principles of your word that those don't just happen. It is happens because of our behavior and our willingness to come into alignment with you. So, Lord, I pray that all of us would self-examine. And, Lord, if there is an area of our lives that needs to be changed, give us the courage to change it. Give us the wisdom and the fortitude to change it. Lord, let us not do it grudgingly or from a sense of duty. But, Lord, let us cheerfully follow after your word and your principles. And, Lord, and because of that, Lord, we will be a people that cheerfully bring to you. And we don't just give you some things, but we give you everything. So, Lord, today I pray that you would shine brightly upon your people. Give them blessed peace. 
Lord, bring us back tonight, 6 o'clock, Lord, to be in your presence. And Lord, we'll never cease to give you the praise and the glory and the honor. Lord, I thank you for the privilege to teach your word this morning. And Lord, I pray that the hearts of your people have heard and that we will be better, that we will be developed even more to be able to reach further than we've ever Pastor Jay here, I just want to thank you for watching the service with us today and being a part of it. We ask that you stay in touch with us, follow us on all of our social media platforms, and we'll see you again soon. We love you, so does God.